Have you ever wanted to discover what's missing in your life? Metaphysics is available to all and is part of your life even if you don't know it. Welcome to Metaphysics, a view through the veil with Barb Crowley. Together we'll explore the mysteries behind metaphysics and how to use it to have a deeper understanding and advantage in life. And now here's your host, Barb Crowley. Hi, this is Barb Crowley and welcome to Metaphysics, a view through the veil. Cynthia Ray has studied and taught Tarot for many years, seeing the cards as liminal portals that can connect us to the hidden, lost, or unknown parts of ourselves. Her curiosity drew her to study the origins and history of the Tarot, which is what we're going to talk about today. Cynthia, welcome to the show. I have really been dying to get somebody on here who knew the history, who knew where these cards came from, and and why we have cups and swords and all of that. So thanks so much for coming on. Um, how did you first become interested in throw? Oh, that was many moons ago when I was young. I, I uh, was just, uh, someone introduced me to a tarot pack and I was fascinated with the images and the meanings and things like that. So that was the beginning. And ever since then, I've, I've been interested. And it's only in the last 10 years that I've really focused and really went deep into all of it and um, reading and so on. So, mm-hmm. yeah. So just pure curiosity, you started to play. Yeah, exactly. And it's kind of a never ending um interest because you, there's different avenues and the history is fascinating. And there's really, interestingly enough, a lot of controversy and debate about it as well. Once you start reading about it, you find out that there's not there's um, different theories that have been proved or disproved and so on. So we'll talk about some of that. Yeah. And I actually had heard that nobody knew the beginning of Tarot. And it was just, and somebody told me they could even find it on cliff dwelling walls. And I don't know if that's true or not. <laughs> well, yeah. well, you won't see Tarot on cliff dwelling walls. That is absolutely true. But you will see images that are probably reminiscent of things that are in the Tarot because those are like these um, universal symbols. And you like mm-hmm. on Egyptian and, and cave drawings and so on, you find universal symbols um, that can be reminiscent of it, but as it is today, it, it wouldn't, it didn't really appear into in the, I think the 15th, 16th century is when it kind of appeared um, as it is, or, or similar to what it is today. And why then? <laughs> That's a great mm-hmm. question. Um, so they, the card games go way back and they were playing card games in Italy and France and so on. And um, they had a game, that they called Tarochi. And it, it was kind of a trick taking game like bridge in a way. And, mm-hmm. um, and they, um, they used cards with suits and so on. And then they started to incorporate images at some point there. And that was, and they drew those from, um, and that's where a lot of them, that's where the interest is, is where did the images come from? That's the question, yeah. right? Yeah. And so there's, um, a lot of some theories about that. And uh, some say that they go all the way back, as you were saying, to, to like Egypt and so on. But in reality, it's more likely that they were developed at that um, in the in the 15th, 16th century, they were doing um, miracle plays and, and morality plays. Are you familiar with those? I'm they, not, uh, no. Shows? 
the church kind of, uh, there were a lot of people who didn't read and write and so on. So the church, in order to instruct people, had these plays that would travel around in the Middle Ages. And they would show biblical stories, you know, of the creation mm -hmm. and of um, vice versus virtue and, um, you know, all of the things based on the liturgical calendar of the church, Christmas, Easter, and they would have plays about these things. And they were pretty standard. And, and a lot of the images of those plays, they always had the devil, they had judgment, the wheel, you know, fortune, dame fortune, you know, a kind of mm -hmm. spinning a wheel. They had towers that had devils on them and towers with with um with the angels on them for heaven and hell. So a lot of these images probably were drawn from from that, uh, partly. Mm -hmm. But also um, there was a in Italy a, a poet or a writer uh, called Petrarch. You maybe you've heard of him. I, I've heard of him. But I've, I've never actually read him myself. <laughs> but yeah. apparently he wrote a book called the the Triumphi, and the, a lot of the images of the Tarot are. Um, expressed in his poetry there and he was friends with them a lot of the um italian um royalty not royalty but the uh, you know the viscounts and people like that who um the power people the power people <laughs> right that's it the power to the people or the power people but anyway yes and so he mm -hmm. they were familiar with him and at the same time there were artists that the these wealthy italians would um, commission artists to paint them uh, some card, some tarot cards. And so that's where you would begin to see these and you could, they still have them in Italy and some of the museums, you can see these cards as they were at that time. And so that it's kind of like, did they come from, from the, the, the morality plays? Did they come from the Petrarch, the writings of the, of the people of the day, like Dante and people like that, or did they? And so I think probably it's a combination of all of those things is, is what. Were they what, actually, was it before that? And they were actually pulling these images in, you know, yeah, that, the, um, so the, it predated the, the, all of them. Yeah. The image, I mean, the, uh, the ideas of, of virtue and vice and the ideas of, of, of these plays. Yeah. Were predated Tarot. You're right. So really, the um, like the virtues have a lot to do with that. The, the there were Plato wrote about four virtues, right? Like temperance, justice. Um, what were the, a couple other ones? Strength and courage. And so those were written about then, and even before that, um, in the Persians were talked about the virtues and and how important they were. So those kind of become parts of the image too, and that goes way back. So the idea of of virtues and the idea of um, courage and bravery and all of those things and that morality plays begin to, um, and people then begin to paint pictures or have pictures painted of those things on their cards. But mm -hmm. actually that's an interesting part. If we go back to just playing cards in general, where do they come from? Right. I think that's a really important part of the story because um, if you go back to the paper was invented in China, right? Way back in the 500 or whenever it was. And the first thing they did when they invented paper was to um, do two things. One is to create games with these cards that they could play mm -hmm. with and entertain themselves and games that for uh, gambling. And then the other thing was to paint pictures of their uh, heroes and pictures of their religious um, um, myths and legends and things like that. So that's what I always think is there's always these two um, 
what do you come two parallel lines that things are going down. One is about entertainment and having fun and gambling and so on and playing. And the other one is looking for a deeper meaning and a mystery and, and so on. And those from the beginning that when people started doing um, looking for meaning in, for instance, with animal entrails or, or cat or throwing bones, right. Or little dice carved out of bones um, right. and things like that there were always people that were playing games with the bones or play, you know, or, or and other people who were seeing meaning and patterns in that, right? Maybe the priests mm-hmm. or the, uh, the psychics or the intuitives of the day, that's where they were looking for their patterns. So mankind, I feel like is always looking for patterns and meaning and uh, in everything that's around them naturally. Um, right. Our brains are set up for patterns, aren't they? Exactly. But we're always That's trying it. to figure out what's coming, <laughs> what's it. coming That's to it. keep safe. Yeah. That's right. And that's from ancient times. I mean, from the beginning, probably that's what we're always looking for signs. And maybe it's related to our need for survival. We have to be able to read the environment, right? So we're always looking for that. Um, that's part of it. So, and then it just yeah. translates uh, further down. But uh, yeah, it's, so, they, so it started with Tarochi. I like that word. Tarochi, like Italian, right? Yeah, <laughs> so, Well, before that, card games. Well, if you really want to go back, it started with with the yeah, go back. <laughs> so we had China. They invented paper, right? And then it went to Egypt and so on. But but the Egyptians eventually invented a game called Mamluk, which is M A N L U K. And if you look it up, you can see pictures of these cards that were preserved. And those were a card game that had four suits in it. And they had, um, and they used them for games and gambling and things like that. And and it may or may not have used them for divination. But those suits that they used is where our suits come from. Um, They were the, uh, they had scimitars, which you could call swords, right? And they had polo sticks, which surprised me because back in the ancient times, they were the creators of polo. And it wasn't even known in Europe or anything like that. So they have polo sticks, which becomes our wands, and uh, cups and dinars, which are coins. So those were the four suits that they used. And their cards, since it was a Muslim country, they, had a, they couldn't paint images of people or gods or anything like that. So they just had symbols for those things. But then later when those cards came to, um, when the Crusaders invaded, they, they adopted the Mamluk cards and brought them back to Europe. And so then when it came here, we changed the, some of the symbols, like polo sticks were unknown, so they changed them to like batons or wands or things like that. But the cards basically, they, they, you know, and the scimitars kind of changed into swords because we didn't use those kind of swords, right? And so mm-hmm. that, um, those symbols kind of evolved that way, the suits, which is really interesting. Mm-hmm. To me. And cups were just cups. <laughs> yeah, cups are, don't change too much, right? Yeah. <laughs> right, right. Cups were just cups. <laughs> right. So, and then yeah. coins, right? Coins. Or dinara. Dinara. Yeah. Which is almost mm-hmm. like might be the Italian word too. Dinara. Right. So the, um, the so the coins were dinars, and then Italian that was damargi, and and then those turned into the clovers that we see on the cards, right? And then, um, and then in German, they're the bells that they have, because they have bells, hearts, leaves, and acorns, the German cards. And then the uh, Spanish ones have the coins, cups, swords, and cudgels. And those all started from those Mamluk coins and cups and swords and polo sticks. The polo sticks turned into batons, and then those turned into diamonds. 
And then the swords turned into spades and the cups turned into hearts on our cards. So that's where they came from. The suits. Wow. And, and that's a kind of a really old lineage, isn't it? For playing cards. Yeah. yeah. I think it's great. I never thought about playing cards. Where did that come from? It never crossed my mind. Yeah. Because yeah, Tarot uh, was born out of playing cards and a game of cards, really. Mm-hmm. And I think what the, the Tarot trumps that are part of the cards today really were someone decided to make their card game a little more complicated by adding in these images and make it more interesting. <laughs> right. 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 So, yeah. Huh. Well, what's the controversy um, oh, about? Uh, well, there you go. So um, there's a group, of, well, a lot of folks who believe that the, that the Tarot came from, um, was, contains wisdom and that that wisdom has been handed down from mystery schools for uh, since the Egyptians, perhaps, you know, or later mm-hmm. and so on. And that they believe that there's all, um, for instance, that during the Middle Ages, the tarot was used as a, a way to disguise. It was a disguised as a game, but really there was wisdom, hidden mysteries and teachings in there that you would have been persecuted or killed for at that time during the Inquisition or during the more ignorant time of the Middle Ages, right? And so they believe that the that the tarot has always carried this wisdom uh, through now. And that that's the, the main reason for having tarot is to be able to access those mystery teachings through the images and cards. And then there's others who just believe that, well, or, you know, have evidence to say that it's, they were just part of a card game and that they were um, developed for, you know, like, from the images of the time, for instance, like the mystery plays or morality plays, or like from the virtues and handed down and that they um, were part of a bridge game really. And that, and that the, the adding of the mystery part of it didn't come until the 18th or 19th century. And that was um, um, that the occultist that were practicing at that time kind of added all that in. And they kind of, what do you call it? They just, um, shoehorned it into the existing card game and made it more than what it really is. And then there's the middle ground, which says, well, it's true. They did come from the card game. And they, but at the same time, these images and these symbols have archetypical meaning that resonate with people from the beginning and always have had this kind of wisdom in, enshrined in them. And that, um, that they, that's how they that's why they continue on today and are so popular because they just resonate on an archetypical level. Right. And so that's mm-hmm. part of it. And, and it, but it, it came from China and then to, and then to, um, to Europe. Did it right, go that right, way? Well, by war, by war, right. The crusaders went into, yeah, yeah. It's well, always by war, was isn't passed it? on to <laughs> Egypt. Yeah. But, yeah. Uh, yeah, and then the then the Crusaders discovered paper and these and what and the uses for it and brought it back to Europe and so that um, you know that helped. <laughs> I, I always and, like and it started off with hand painting. They were yeah, painted by hand was, at that time. There was hand painting, and then later it developed. Uh, they had wood blocks that they could use for printing uh, tarot cards in Europe. I think in, in Italy and in France, mm-hmm. and then. And I'm glad you mentioned the printing because when they actually invented the printed press, the printing press, like in the 1440 or whenever it was, that that then they were able to kind of mass produce these decks and make them more accessible. 
because in Italy, they began with really wealthy families just um, commissioning artists to create their own special tarot cards. And they used at that time, they used uh, the symbols of the grail legends or maybe the Greek and Roman um, led, um, heroes, those kind of things. They used yeah. those. So it wasn't standard at that point. People were doing a lot of variation and based on the families, what their interest was and so on. But there, but there was, um, like I said, kind of a, a standard, you know, you can either pull from the myths of the Romans and Greeks and the gods and goddesses or from the Grail legend or the more Christian type of, um, of, mm-hmm. of things. And so, and then it began over time to kind of standardize, to become more um, common. There's a lot how of people. Did, Go ahead. How much did Christianity put their stamp on it or oh, it is, block well, it out so much? Yeah, it, it was huge because like we were talking about the, the church using these these plays um, mm-hmm. to teach and that those were very, uh, at the time, I mean, you have to think that was big entertainment, right? There was no radio or TV or anything like that. So these plays were, were huge and they were they used a lot of special effects and fire and, and all kinds of things. So it would have been impressive at the time. So those images would, uh, those Christian images would have been part of the psyche of, of the time. And even now, right? Because if you look at the tarot, like the standard weight tarot, which is one of the most common ones, it's it's full of those kind of images, right? The hierophant looks kind of like a Pope. The um, mm-hmm. And fools were big in the middle ages too, because they were kind of um, a part of the, you know, of the Royal court. And they were always, they always had certain sim- symbology associated with them. And what are some of the other images? The um, You see those a lot. If you go uh, around justice and yeah, that's and, another one. Um, the hanged that. man. Yeah, yeah exactly. <laughs> yeah. That's pretty wild. Yeah, you think of the Christian story of Judas, uh, who was hang- who hanged himself after that, and the other kinds of things. But also, um, in there's a, um, a a tarot deck called the Great Bible Tarot, which is illustrated. They use the illustrations of Gustav Dore. Is that how you say his name? Dore or Dore? I can't remember. I don't know. Don't but, know. Yeah. But anyway, they're beautiful. But anyway, that hangman is actually instead they have the uh, they use the crucifixion there. Um, mm-hmm. that symbol and they use different um, I have never seen that Christian deck used out there <laughs> no, I don't know if I've no, it I have but, it, but it's using it's it's using images from the Bible to illustrate the mm-hmm. different um, the tarot story and really the tarot is called it like the, the hero's journey and it really does have a, a journey of the soul and that and that comes from that time I mean the, all of those plays were really about the journey of man coming in, being born and being in this life and being tempted and then, you know, the struggle between vice and virtue and, and, uh, you know, justice and injustice and so on and the last judgment and, and then meeting death. And it, so that story is still in the Tarot because it's really the story of humankind itself, which is why Tarot works because it's so, uh, like I said, archetypical. What, so what cards are part of that hero's journey? Oh, all of them are part of the hero's journey. If you look at the, if you just lay the cards out in what they call um, the tarot tableau, there's a lot of ways to lay the cards out and look at relationships. But this one, you lay out uh, the fool on top and then three lay three rows of seven cards each and each of mm-hmm. them and all of, and then you, the fool is the one who's going on the journey, kind of represents the soul or the person who's born into 
you know, an incarnation of that body. Yeah. Yeah. And then begins on the journey there. It starts with the magician and, and, and ends with the, the world. So there's a lot of, um, there's books about that. I think Rachel Pollock's 78 degrees of wisdom describes that journey. There's a lot of other ones um, out there. So it's, you know, there's a lot of ways to, there's a lot of different ways to use the tarot or approach the tarot. And uh, one of them is by, you know, just using it for, um, like you said, to look at the psychological aspects of it, the spiritual aspects. Some people use it for fortune telling or entertainment, but there's a lot more to it than that. What else is to it besides, because yeah. um, really in our world, it really is fortune telling. I don't see, <laughs> or, you know, I mean, when I say fortune telling, I don't only mean the pres- the future because it, quite a bit is present and past. Right. But, you know, um, how yeah. else would it have been used well, other than fortune telling? Well, um, divination is, is uh, I guess, fortune telling and divination are, are different in a way, because fortune telling is trying to tell the future and to tell somebody like they're going to meet, um, they're going to, you know, come into money or meet a tall, dark, handsome stranger and things like that. Where divination is the way it's used more today. I mean, it's moving more towards using it more as a, as people looking at, ways to grapple with that, make decisions or grapple with issues or problems in their lives. And, and actually a lot of mainstream therapists have incorporated Tarot into their practice in this time because they really? use it in a way because the, the symbols and the images are kind of help um, connect you to your subconscious and unlock different um, things that you already know that's inside of you, but the cards help to unlock it and bring it forward. And so so those images being so powerful and going way back, you know, using powerful images to evoke an emotional or psychological response to the cards um, is always has. I can see why it still keeps going. And today, people are still taking those cards and adopting them to a more modern, you could say, approach. I mean, pictures that, that are resonating with the current psych, and yet they're still relying on that original system. Right with the with the mm-hmm. seventy eight cards, which is twenty two major trumps and and the and the and then the minor trumps of four suits. Most most decks still stick with that system. Why do they? Only because it was it is so well known. Yeah, and everybody kind of goes by the ba- same basic. Yeah, it, it works for one thing. Is is because the four suits are each associated with the four elements which helps you when you're interpreting and reading it. And the cards have come to have standard meanings, more or less, although different meanings are ascribed either. You could get very shallow meanings or very deep meanings. And when you put them together, then they begin to tell a story. But, um, but the really before that fortune telling part really didn't become big until like the, I think the 17th century, there was someone, his name was Atiyah, um, and he wrote a book about how to use the tarot cards to tell fortunes. And then it kind of took off after that. In addition to the fact that the printing press and the block printing allowed more decks to be printed and people had access to them. And so they could use them more than before. So that was all part of it. And, uh, and then that's this, after. Yeah, go ahead. I'm sorry. Was this part of witchcraft that did, you know, when it, did it get demonized at all? Oh, like witchcraft or, you know? Yeah. Well, it, yes, eventually, yes. Use, any kind of fortune telling was seen as witchcraft, yes. 
Mm-hmm. Right. And so there were people. But in all the witch trials and everything else, I never heard a word about tarot. Or well, they cards. might not use the word tarot, but they might use cards or, um, you know, fortune telling or, or, or uh, cardamancy or um, sortilage or something like that. <laughs> that sortilage was a way that they, uh, the, the old days, a way of kind of drawing lots and things to, to figure out your fortune and things like that. Mm-hmm. So, did um, how was it though that people would use them? You know, because people became so afraid when you go out back to you know Middle Ages, people became so afraid of witchcraft or anything like yes. that, or black magic or magic, and but at the same time, Tarot seemed to have survived all of that very easily. Right, was it I don't think it, of it. it, it because the game, it was a game that you played, and there were actually some uh, people that were saying that so one of, a monk or a priest wrote a book about that that cards could be seen having moral uh, they could be morally instructive because they had these images okay. of the Christian right they, you know that uh, that we were talking about that could mm-hmm. and, and the four virtues you know the the virtues were were shown in their courage strength um, you know prudence. Um, temperance, all of these things were incorporated in it. So it wasn't, uh, and actually a lot of the decks at that time, they took out, they didn't have the devil in there, that some of them, and they are the tower, some of those more um, scary. Frightening um, ones, yeah. <laughs> they're not really yeah. negative, or, but but yet they, they uh, so the decks weren't all standard at that point, but they didn't, they were used really in very, um, Socially way, in social ways, for instance, card playing at that at that time there was part of the courting um, part. Um, uh, men and women could get together and play cards, which they, there weren't very many things they could do that were acceptable at that point. So that was one thing. And so, no, like I, I said, yeah. tarot, tarot was being used as a card game and entertainment and socially more than the the other, and it didn't become really associated with fortune telling and true and all of that till much later. I mean, there might've been some use of it for that, but generally it was later that it was used. Um, mm-hmm. Perhaps like in, uh, in the 1700s in Boulogne and Milan and places like that, it's, it's being used for divination, but it, uh, around those times, I mean, more in a larger scale. And so. And then because of morality, it had the stamp of approval. <laughs> that must have been at that time, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I'm sure there because was always... you can see in history where where either it's allowed or it's demonized. Right. Well, even there's now, not a lot of in between. Yeah, that's right. Even now, there's some people, uh, some beliefs that tarot is of the devil or whatever. But um, that's pretty much gone by the wayside for the most part, except for right. a few. Um, because and some people just see it as silly or. Uh, you know, or, right. or whatever, but, uh, but it's really taken very seriously by a large body of people for, for many purposes. So quite a few, it's just one yeah, tool, the way I look at it is um, there's, it, there are many tools and spiritual technologies and Tarot is just one of them that can be used in a, in a way that, that can be um, useful to help unlock inner wisdom, but there's a lot of other doors and a lot of other mm-hmm. spiritual technologies as well. That can be used, in the so. United States, Tarot seems to be the dominant one. But before we get into that, let's take a break. 
Okay. We'll be right back to talk more about Tarot and the history and the use. We'll be right back. Stay with us. One thing's for certain. Life is uncertain. Do you navigate the unknowns? Visit aviewthroughtheveil.com to sign up for psychic readings and classes with Barb Crowley. You can schedule one-to-one sessions with Barb for personal and relationship counseling, pet communication, mediumship, career and business direction, or sign up for one of her classes. Everyone has answers through the metaphysical plane, but they need help to access them. Get the help you need today. Visit aviewthroughtheveil.com. It's your world. Motivate. Change. Succeed. VoiceAmericaEmpowerment.com. You are listening to Metaphysics, A View Through the Veil with Barb Crowley. To reach the live show, please call in to 1-888-346-9141. That's 1-888-346-9141. You may also send an email to aviewthroughtheveil at gmail.com. Now, back to the show. Hi, we're back with Cynthia Ray, who is a tarot expert and has been bringing us through the history of tarot and uh, where it came from the controversies, the symbolism. But I also want to ask, because in the United States, it's such a dominant way of divination. Why tarot over I Ching or some of the um, other methods, really? Yeah, that's a great question. I think um, I went to someone and I, I wanted a reading and I asked them to do runes and they cast runes for me, which were stones with different symbols on them. But those are just um, abstract symbols and they didn't really mean anything to me. And so, but when you cat, when you um, take the cards and you lay them out immediately, you could start relating to those because they're images. I think that makes a difference. I Ching is kind of the same. It's, it's like symbols and things. And plus it's a very complex system that you have to learn and memorize things. Whereas the cards can be much more intuitive and they're um, like, they have archetypical images that resonate with people when they look at those pictures, they, you can begin to tell a story and people will um, begin to tell that story themselves when they start looking at the cards. I think that's why they're so popular. And plus, so many decks have been created by so many different talented artists that there are so many beautiful cards out there so that you can find something that kind of that means something with you. To you. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And everybody makes their own, not everybody, but so many people, especially during the pandemic, made their own cards. So many yeah. people came out with their own cards. It's amazing. I know. And, but and it, continuing to, and I think that's part of it is that the cards are, uh, they, they inspire creativity for one thing, because you look at a card and you say, Oh, that represents, um, you know, intuition. How could I draw a picture that represented intuition? And then you'd build on it. And so I think that's part of it. And somebody was trying to teach, well, not trying to teach me quickly. And in about two-minute conversation was teaching me tarot. And they said, just look at the cards. Just look at the cards. All the information is there. Exactly. Didn't work that well. Yeah, because everything on a card means something. Usually the colors mean something, the the direction that the person is sitting in, um, the 
um, the, sim- the things they're holding, all everything has meaning, right? But even if you don't know the meanings of all of those things, you can still get a feeling of the card, the energy of it or whatever, when you're looking at it, it will, you'll get a feeling when you look at it, you'll feel good or you'll feel uh, worried or whatever. When you look at the card, you can kind of begin to feel what it's about. In fact, there's, um, a- oh, go ahead. That's pretty helpful for somebody like me. The, like the colors, I wouldn't know. A lot of it, I, I don't know. You know, well, most of it I don't know. Yeah, yeah but just think. I go to somebody if else, at, yeah. If you look at a card with a woman sitting there, and it's mostly blue. I mean, what do you think of? Um, you know, it's like water, right? You think of water, perhaps. and this. And, uh, oh, I've got a Catholic background, so I go to the Virgin Mary blue. Right, which, which who, who, does, who does represent kind of that kind of uh, intuition or inner knowing, that kind of thing. Or the like feminine the energy. Right. Yeah. And when I think, when I use the cards, I always think of the, of all of the women in the cards represent kind of the subconscious and the fellas represent the conscious mind. And then like mm-hmm. angels and so on represent the super conscious because all, everyone in the tarot is, is us, part of us, either our psychology or our spiritual or our physical being. So uh, that's one way to look at it. That makes well, it that is the psych- psychology of it, yeah. but then yeah. there's the occult. Right. Part. Yeah, the more the more spiritual or metaphysical meanings, and those actually were they uh, started to be ascribed in, in like the 1700s is is when it is. Um, this person named Atiyah, his name is spelled E T T E I L L A, and he wrote a book um, um, about tarot divination, and so that began that kind of that um, res- renaissance in kind of reading the the cards and things like that, and then. And then right after that, another guy named Count Gebelin, he, he's the one that wrote the whole story about uh, that the tarot came from the Egypt, Egyptians. And he said Toth, the god, the, the god of wisdom of the Egyptians, wrote the tarot. And, and really, he has no evidence for that. And there really isn't any evidence. But it became very popular and is still out there, still taught that um, tarot came from the Egyptians. And you can, right. if you look, it's a great story. <laughs> it is, and actually, if you go, if you go through some of the images of the that the Egyptians have left behind, there are uh, images that are reminiscent of of different things in the tarot, right? I mean, there's a a picture of someone sitting between two towers, and it looks a lot like the emperor or the empress. Or if you look, there's one with a round circle, and someone's in there, and it's kind of like the world card with the four things in the corner. So there are things that are similar, but I just think those are part of, of a kind of universal archetypical meanings that, that just get carried forward and then eventually end up in the cards as well. So, so anyway, he's the one that connected that. And then he created his own tarot deck and he called it a rectified deck. And, um, and that's the, and then after that, another famous person, Eliphas Levi, he came and, He's the one that connected Tarot to the Kabbalah and to the Hebrew alphabet and uh, things like that. And then later, someone else comes along and links it to astrology. So Tarot is now being linked with the Kabbalah, the Tree of Life, the astrology, and the Hebrew letters and all of those things. So it's adding layers of meaning into this in order to um, communicate these mysteries or these because the, the person that um, created that really, they, most of them were mystics or 
uh, people that were interested in that kind of thing. So that's what they're teaching through Tarot. But the claims that that was always the case, that they were always teaching hidden wisdom, that's where the, the kind of there's debate about that. Some people yeah, say no, it, was added. Yes. it was all added in the 17, 1800s and 1900s. And other people say, no, it was carried long before that the wisdom was carried down. And, and there's some evidence for that too, because the Sufis who are the mystic arm of, um, of, of Islam long before had written about some of, um, of these, these things that are mentioned in the Tarot. So it's, so the, who knows, right? <laughs> There's a lot of, you can read a lot of uh, st- people that are arguing for both sides of the story. But, mm-hmm. but then, it, have you ever heard of the Golden Dawn? Yeah. Okay, so that was a mystery school that was established like in 1888 or 1800s. And that, they created a whole system for Tarot, where, and they, um, they um, and that, and they created some decks that later became the, the prototype for which, Arthur Waite and Pamela Coleman Smith based their deck on. And that they created uh, the Smith Waite deck, which is the most famous deck probably, uh, mm-hmm. which, which was in 1910, they created that deck. And almost all decks after that have been based on that system. So but they became the standard. Is that the yeah, same as Rider Waite? Yeah, Rider Rider Waite. It, originally it was Rider Waite because Rider was the, 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 um, the company that, published it but wait arthur wait he created the cards but pamela coleman smith was the artist and for a long time her name was forgotten in most recent times though people call it the wait smith deck in order to honor her contribution to it because it was her artwork that has been, that's really and the artwork is really everything with it is really, yeah uh, and the the cool thing about pamela coleman smith is that on the minor arcana she she created pictures that, that illustrated the, the stories and the things because before that, it, the minor arcana, all they had was symbols like the swords or the cups or things that they just had numbers and symbols. And so when she put the people on there, then they became even more, the story became even more accessible to people. That became more attractive too, that you could understand by looking at these uh, folks, they evoked more emotional and feeling response to the cards as a result of mm-hmm. her work. And then a little bit later, another famous person is Alistair Crowley, Crowley, and he and uh, we call it Crowley. <laughs> Crowley, and he created yeah. a deck, a deck which is um, the Toth deck, which is more based on the the Book of Toth and and the Egyptian connections and all of that. And his tarot is considered a little bit darker. I, I don't know. I haven't studied his as much, so I don't know as much about it. But that was in 1940, and the artist that he used was Frida Harris. And so those two, so those two decks really became kind of like, a, like if you look at a tree, it goes off in two branches. And a lot of people follow the, the, the Arthur, the writer, the Waite Smith um, system, and then some people follow the Toth system. And then uh, more modern decks were created and based on those systems, and um, some of the more but famous. Those are, systems yeah. are the pictures. Are they the meanings too, or? Yeah, or I would say it, the... it's kind of the associations with the cards, like with astro- astrological or Kabbalistic or Tree of Life and things like that, as well as um, the meanings of the cards, right? Mm-hmm. Ascribe meanings. What about right. the scary cards? <laughs> um, <laughs> well, the meanings of the scary cards. <laughs> yeah, it's funny you mentioned that because it's true. Sometimes people, I say, would you like to have a reading? And they'll say, oh, no, I don't want to. 
um, I don't want to get that death card or I don't want to find out anything. (laughs) But it's really not about that. (laughs) So for instance, the death card, if you look at that, there's a there's several different death cards, but they usually involve a skeleton of some sort. Or, but death, it can be scary, but but really it's about change and transformation is, is what the real meaning of that card is. It, it's because yeah. nothing, everything in life, I mean, you think about it, is every day the sun sets and then it rises. We're, we're involved in this cycle of birth and death all day long, every day. And um, everything, something, in order for something new to happen, something else has to die. For instance, even let's say you get married, it's great. It's something new, but something it's the death of like being alone with yourself in your room or having privacy or whatever. There's always something right. that's going away while something new is coming in. So mm-hmm. that's how, one card. Another, the hanged man. The hanged man. That's another great example of a card. Someone says, oh no, the hanged man. But really that card is, is about um, kind of, some cards call it the suspended person or suspended man and really it's it's about being at that's more gentle <laughs> yeah it's, it's actually just turning up upside down what you might have thought or what you're connected to right uh, suspending belief turning things upside down looking at things from a new point of view um that kind of thing that's grounding the hanged yourself. man yeah, in, uh, in, yeah. Uh, grounding yourself in spirit instead of on the ground it's another way and if you look at the card it kind of looks like he's being born into something else so it's, he's preparing for some kind of change or transformation and Rumi I the, what I always associate with this card Rumi said love wants to do you a great favor and turn you upside down and shake you all the nonsense out of you <laughs> And I always think of the hangman as uh, getting the nonsense shaken out of him, right? And things are falling out of his pockets. He can't hold on to anything. So really, it's about letting go of things that no longer serve you is really another way to look at it. So it's not a bad card. And and um, then the devil, of course, always comes up as, oh, no, not the devil. But, <laughs> but really, you can think of him as just a big comfort zone because people, um, it's another thing, you know, where do you want to where are we getting our wisdom or comfort? What are we looking for? And it's sometimes it's associated with addiction or with uh, things like that, but really it's about sleeping until you're ready to wake up. And when you do, then you move on to the next thing. And, then, and um, it's, mm. and, and so they're not way, so bad. They're, they're not no. as bad as they look. <laughs> no, no. They, it, it, if you like Rumi also said that um, it's like, I look at the devil's kind of a self-imposed prison and, uh, Rumi says, why are you staying in prison? The doors are wide open. That's another example. It's because the, the, and the devil that all in, in the weight um, cards, they have chains around their neck, but they're loose and they could just pick them up and lift them off and walk away when they're ready. So there's a, that kind of thing. So once again, he's, yeah. he's not. Um, where, even, where did they start to get meaning out of the reversed cards? Were they, you know, uh, it's a reversed Right. I don't know who was the first one to do that, but um, it might have been part of that tarot divination by Itia. He might have written about reverse meanings and cards there, and then that continues on. And, and really, the reverse cards really just mean maybe you don't have access to that energy, or maybe it, um, it's it, some cases it's the opposite. If, if for instance, you have, um, let's think of the hangman, you're, you're letting go of things, but if it's reversed, then you're, maybe you're hanging on to something that you don't need to hang on to, or maybe it's uh, that kind of thing. 
Mm-hmm. So, yeah, it's they've become part of tarot because I've had people say I don't use reverse, I don't believe in it, or you know, you don't I have didn't to. Know there was a choice. Yeah, you really don't have to use. Um, I didn't use them for many, many years. I didn't use it for a long time. The reverse cards, and then when I became comfortable, then I then then I did. But it, you don't have to. You don't have to because right. it really because um, because whatever needs to come out always comes out whether the whether or not you use the reversed meetings and cards. Mm-hmm. So, um, well, who started using it? Do you know, like, no, you I, know, really don't. You know, I don't know Alistair Crowley or with the, I don't know. No, it came before him. And I don't know who, who, who did. I created it. Yeah. Yeah. It's a good one. Good question. But it, but it did I, come yeah. before him and it, did it come before the wait, uh, wait Smith to road? Yes. Check? It would have come before that. Because they so would it's, it's going back pretty good. Yeah, I would think so. Probably as soon as they started using it for the purposes of divination or something, probably someone came up with the with that. I mean, they dealt the cards and one of them turned upside down. They said, oh, I know what that means. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. And I mean, what about the layouts and the spread? Oh, yeah. Those are, and so that part. was one that was created, I think, by the um, that Golden Dawn, I think, they're I think that the Celtic cross is probably the, one of the more famous ones that's done by Arthur Waite. And, and um, he describes mm-hmm. that. And that's a nine card thing. And then th- there's sometimes people just take three cards like past, present, future, or you could do simple three cards layouts. Mm-hmm. So there's a lot of spreads that people create. There's b- books and books out on there about spreads and how to create your own, or you can use some that are already created for your purpose. And so there's some that are based on the tree of life or some that are based on your, um, on the astrology charts and some that are based on uh, just different shapes and things like that circle. So on. Mm-hmm. The so there's cycle. no hard and fast rule as, you know, you use this now you use this right. whenever. Yeah. That's right. When it comes to Tarot, it's, it's, uh, yeah, there's a lot, it's, it's like religion. There's a lot of different <laughs> There's a lot of different ways to practice, right? A lot of different beliefs surrounding it and so on. And um, it's, it's, you know, it's very interesting. That's what I like about it. It's, is that it is so open and that that you can, um, for a long time, I studied very specifically, like through the Paul Foster case and, and some of the others, very specific meanings. And then when I broke out of that, it was like, oh, there's so many other ways you can look at this. Wow. This is interesting. At what point do you think people go from tarot to in, uh, to intuition? Is that, uh, I, I guess, different for everybody? But, you know, it seems to me that some people come to learn tarot and end up intuitive, you know, I mean, using their own intuition on the meaning of the cards. Everybody seems to come up with their own. That it, I think it, it it's people that are using tarot, most of them, I would believe are intuitive and that that's how they're able to use the cards to be a, the, the really, the ones that are really good are either intuitive or perhaps psychic and who they're able to um, when they're sitting with someone, um, you know, it's it, to, when I sit with someone, it's almost like, it's like sacramental almost. It's, it's, it's a very sacred space that I hold with that person. And it is intuitive. And so the intuition I think is a huge part of the cards because the cards are just pictures. And so you have to interpret them for in the given, based on the given question and where they are and, and the given 
uh, space. And so one time a card may show up and it means one thing for that person, but another time it shows up and it means something totally different for another person. And even though the meanings are um, somewhat similar, that and sometimes the person that is being read for it, if I'm sitting with someone and they have a card and they will tell me when they look at it, what it means to them. And it may not even be the traditional meaning, but it's called up something very deep. And sometimes people are brought to tears by it. And yet it's not the traditional meaning, but it's a very important thing for them. So if that answers your question, I'm not sure, but it's. Um, um, what about like we have the different spreads, but it's, it's also where it is in the mm-hmm. spread, right? Right, exactly. I mean, that's and very important too. Right, and the relationship to each other. And like if you sometimes cards, which direction is the person looking in that's on the card? Like if you have the, the king, the knight of pentacles or something, he's which direction is he pointing to the next card or the one behind it and, and that kind of thing. So yes, you're right. There's um, the relationships of the cards to each other where a lot of the meaning comes out of. So with all of the new cards coming out, we're all using the ones that are 100 years old. <laughs> <laughs> well, actually, um, you know, it's interesting. Vicki Noble back in the 60s created a deck called the Mother Peace deck, and it was a feminist deck. And that was new. And it was, it was circular. It was round. And it was based on the moon cycles and things like that, her spreads. So that was a new way of looking at it, right? She took like some of the ancient meanings and shamanistic type meanings and, and incorporated them. But it's, um, but it still has the 78 cards and different suits and things like that, right? And then another person, James Wanless, back in the 70s, created a deck called the Voyager deck. And that one, he calls himself a symbologist. And that deck is just full of different kinds of symbols. And he got rid of it. Um, he does a montage of symbols for each card. And he got rid of, I think, swords because he thought it was too, um, you know, yeah harsh oh i see yeah yeah Yeah, associated with war and he replaced it with crystals so that's a suit Mm -hmm. of crystals right and some other things and so that's a really innovative and interesting deck and there's a lot of them out there um that kind of thing where you get new uh, ways of looking at it and there and every day a new deck comes out someone who's coming out with a new deck and and some are just kind of whimsical and fun and um Mm -hmm. like pandas on them or cats or something like that. I saw one, the pagan cat tarot. <laughs> and then there's a pagan a, cat. <laughs> wow. Yeah, and then, and then there, there's a lot of, you know, so, and then there's, like I said, there's some that are associated with biblical images. There's some, there's, there's a, um, a deck called the Druid craft, which is based on the stories and images from, from Druidry and, and Wiccan mm-hmm. type of things. And so if you have a particular, and, and there's a, a Sufi deck, there's a Buddhist deck. There's a, you know, all, all of the mm-hmm. different ways that you can take the stories and the, and the wisdom from those traditions and then incorporate them into pictures in the tarot deck that are useful. All right. Well, I don't see people using different decks together. You um, know what I mean? Yeah. I mean, uh, well, some I've people collect decks and um, they, uh, there's they do, people- but they use either they use this deck or that deck, but they yeah. won't use like, well, I use the cards from this deck and the cards from this deck. There's no intermingling. Is that not, because, intermingle? Yeah. And that makes sense because the cards are connected to each other. I mean, like if you use one type of deck, like I wouldn't mix the Druid craft deck with the weight deck because they don't, they're they're based on two different stories, right? They're, you mm-hmm. know, 
the Druid story is, is different than the, the one in the Waite Smith deck. So they, however, I have done it where I have, um, I use one card, one set of cards for the reading, but another set can be used to pull out a card for something else. Or if someone wants to use that for the significator or something like that. So. And you base that on the story of the deck that, or the yeah, energy and the, and the, or vibration. And the, and the images that are there are different. Mm. And so. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. What's the difference between tarot and Oracle cards? That's a great question too. So Oracle cards are really, they're just, they usually have an image on them and then some kind of word or association or, or something. For instance, there's an angel Oracle deck, which is different angels and different sayings on it. So you just pull one as kind of an inspiration. Um, there's no interpretation or anything like that. In, in, in usually in an Oracle deck is just pulling something that is um, going to be inspiration for the or guidance for the day or something like that. And, and that can, they can have any number of cards. There's no set number of cards that, they are, that are in an Oracle deck. 36, 54, 28. It doesn't really matter. But, um, yeah. and, but those, sometimes people use them as an adjunct to tarot. That they'll do a tarot reading and then they'll say, and let's pull an Oracle card and see how that get an overall theme or feeling for that. So they can be used together. But yeah. as I said, I, I really don't know Tarot at all. And it took me a long time to understand the difference between the the Tarot uh, deck and Oracle cards. <laughs> you know, it, it wasn't clear to me at all. I'd go into a metaphysical store and they'd all be this there displayed. And it yes. was like, well, I, I don't understand this. <laughs> yeah. and, 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 and you're right, though. I mean, I probably wouldn't buy a deck unless I did a little research first to see what it was about and look at some of the pictures and see if they really are um, something that I want. Resonate with you. Yeah, yeah. Because yeah. I have bought a deck because I kind of like the first cover, but then when I got into it, I didn't like it. You, you know, so you have to find one that works for you. So, yeah. 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 Well, but this I, is great information. Um, I've really enjoyed it. But I want to make sure everybody knows where to get hold of you um, sure. and what you have coming up. So if you can share that, I'd appreciate sure. it. Well, you can always find me at um, themysticaltarot.com. And that is my website. And I have also a class coming up, which is the, um, the Tarot on the Path of the Mystic. And that's on Global Spiritual Studies. You can find it there. Um, they have a lot. In fact, it's a great resource if you're interested in Tarot and, or other types of things. They, they have a lot of classes there from a lot of really good uh, teachers. So that's another place that you can find me. And what else? Do you um, want to give a gift? Or we talked about this before that oh, you want yeah, to give and a I gift to that, any to listener? Yeah. So anyone that's listening to this, that's interested in doing a reading, I'd offer $10 off through, uh, through 2023. All you have to do is when you uh, sign up is just give you the code word of um, a code of uh, listening through the veil. And then I'll know that you're one of the listeners. Here. Can we, can we make it a view through the veil? Yes. Well, I'm <laughs> listening, but I'm also looking. So that's good. Listening. Uh, yes. A view through the veil. <laughs> yeah. For the people who are listening now, they can right. get $10 off by giving, by writing down a view through the veil, which is great right. through 2023. That's correct. Right. Do you teach the when you teach tarot? You're teaching actually tarot. Do you teach the history as well as a separate class or just part of your? 
I usually cover the, that for people that are interested, but, but there are a lot of classes that are out there. For instance, that global spiritual study, Mary Greer has a class on the history of the Tarot, and uh, there are some others. In fact, some of the books I'm just going to recommend is this uh, Paul Huzon, who, who I quoted a couple of times. He wrote The Mystical Origins of the Tarot. Robert Place has written a book on the Tarot history. Mary Greer has a blog where there you can get a lot of great information. So there's tons of information out there on the, on the history of Tarot. And, and it's interesting to start kind of gathering it together and seeing what you come up with. Right, right. To delve into where this come from and different ideas. Right. Of, of I teach different Tarot, ways well, to use it. Yeah. And when I teach in Tarot, mostly it's, it's more like from the path of the mystic or the, the fool's journey or from the, for using it for your own purposes to, to unlock your own inner wisdom and things like that. Mm -hmm. That's great. So thanks, Cynthia, for being on. I, I really appreciate the background of Tarot. I, I never knew. You know, well, I never I quite understood it. It's like, where'd this come from? <laughs> well, I, so that's great. I Thanks appreciate so being much. here. Thank you very much for having oh, me, Barb. Great. Great. Thank you. Have a great weekend. Bye-bye. Thank you for joining us for Metaphysics, A View Through the Veil. Please tune in for another edition with your host, Barb Crowley, next Friday at 4 p.m. Eastern Time and 1 p.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. Enjoy your upcoming weekend.